Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 145 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today I'm joined by Kathleen Hezzett, a social media and branding expert who launched Shaquille O'Neal on Twitter, worked with the Pope and P. Diddy, that's right, the Pope and P. Diddy at the same time uh, to help them with their branding. And we're going to talk about Generation Z. That's right, Generation Z. I know it sounds like uh, some sort of Nickelodeon program uh, that my kids watch. I don't even know, is Nickelodeon even around still? Oh my goodness, I'm so old. Anyway, I did not know what Generation Z or Gen Z was, uh, but apparently it's huge. And if we ignore it, it's going to be at our peril because by 2020, over 40% of the population is going to be Gen Z. And if you want to find out what Gen Z is all about and how it will affect you and your business, then tune in to today's episode. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Okay, Kathleen and Krista, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Hi, I'm thank really you for happy having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Very cool. This is actually the first time that I'm having two guests on my show. I've I've done, God, now hundred a uh, hundred and fifty something episodes, and uh, this is the first time I'm having two people, two separate guests, at the same time. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> Sounds good. And so, Kathleen, just for the sake of the audience, so where are you from? Right, where are you sitting right now? Right now, I'm in Naples, Florida. I am, my hometown has been Charlotte, North Carolina, where Christy is right now, but I now split my time between Naples and North Carolina, so Florida and North Carolina. So you're in Florida, Christa's in where? Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm in Israel, so look at that, we're all over the, we're all over the map. That's very appropriate, too, because... Our topic today about Gen Z, or Gen Z, as they say in many other parts of the world, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really fascinating how globally minded they are. Um, in the U.S. in particular, but everywhere else, their backyard used to be a very small, confined place. Mm -hmm. Now their backyard is the world because this is the first generation literally to have been born into an internet savvy world so many of them have a digital footprint before they're even um, born because their parents put their sonograms up on Facebook or or share them online etc and and even our um, our granddaughter who's one year old she swipes on the on the smartphone so yep. knowing how to get to her game so they they think about a world in a different way than I did growing up or even than Krista did growing up. Kathy, I don't want to, uh, I know it's not right to ask a, a, a woman how old they are, <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like I have to do this for the sake of the audience because they don't know, they don't see you. Uh, this is audio. <laughs> so we've got, uh, so Kathleen, you don't have to give us the exact age. You can give us a ballpark figure if you want. Over 60 years old. Over 60. Okay. So we've got an over 60 year old. And then Krista, how old are you? I'm 23. 23 okay um and i'm and, and I'm daniel kind of, to be fair how old are you <laughs> i'm in the middle i'm i'm 34 
So I'm I'm some I'm somewhere in the middle. So we've got like different generations going on over here. Um, so the first thing I want to do, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know what Gen Z was. I, I guess maybe I missed the mark because I'm in my 30s. So this whole Gen Z, Gen Z uh, thing is is way over my head. Um, and for a lot of the audience, some of them may not know what what it, what is Gen Z. What is it all about? So Gen Z is the generation that was born primarily between um, 1996 and 2010. They're post-millennials, which is exactly why I started We Are Gen Z, because I kept seeing so much focused on millennials by brands and by the world in general and the media. And... I'm thinking, if you don't understand millennials by now, you're never going to. Mm -hmm. And you need to move on to that next generation. Gen Z literally is um, will make up 40% of the United States population by 2020. And Whoa. global population, about 37% by the end of 2019. So wow. they're a massive massive in size as well as in impact and how did you get involved in this Kathleen because you're in your 60s um I, I, I'm in my 30s and I don't know anything about it so why would you, why would you get involved what's your background I guess uh and bring us up to why you what's the with the fascination with the Gen Z's population sure well my first career was in broadcasting as an anchor reporter and talk show host for CBS and NBC and so my career was about learning something new every day and connecting the dots and being able to articulate um, the insights into knowledge that was meaningful for our audiences. Uh, from there, I started a company in the early 80s, mid-80s actually, to help uh, corporate executives and government officials deal with the media, crisis management, public speaking, everything to do you know, with outward facing and brand for them. Probably three years into it, um, very successful business. My brother was a championship race car driver and he no won the Daytona 24 hours and he sounded like an idiot when he <laughs> got out of the car. And I realized that what I was doing in corporate and government um, had a daily application in sports so much of my business was consumed very quickly by sports and entertainment. Mm -hmm. At one point, I was working on behalf of the Pope and the Vatican and P. Diddy at the same time. The Pope um, and P. Diddy. At another time, it was, it was <laughs> WWE and, and the Rockettes. So a wonderful wow. array of clients all needing one thing, and that is how to connect with their customers, whoever they may be. And in particular, they were coming to me to help them connect with young people. Because um, as you know, any brand will die out if, if you don't cultivate new and younger fans. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for instance, when someone associated with the Vatican came to me, they said, how can we take what you're doing in sports and entertainment and apply it to the church to better connect with young people. Um, I was the, the communication chair for a, a national working group in the United States on the use of technology and social media and disaster. So using it in humanitarian assistance, etc. I 
I'm always looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my curiosity, I think, that takes me there. And so um, in 2007, I launched Shaquille O'Neal from the MBA on Twitter. And what? I remember the founders of, of Twitter saying um, that his entrance to Twitter was what took that platform mainstream and out of the hands of the geeks. Um, because wow. here was a whole different conversation going on with a whole different personality. And uh, so it's, again, I'm always looking for the next thing. And when I saw millennials being the focus for so long and so deeply and so inaccurately many times for brands, I said to myself, there's an opportunity here that is very important in terms of thought leadership for the next generation. And uh, I, I went to the local high school for the arts and I said, here's $2,500. Give me 12 of, 12 of your best kids, your most attuned to, the, to what's happening out there. And let me meet with them every week to find out what was happening with their generation. Hmm. And that's how it started. And then we cultivated... We now have an online teen think tank of over a thousand kids. We have a what's hot, what's not trends panel of of young people from around the world that meet and talk about trends and and basically what we're doing is amplifying the voices, authentic voices of a generation. Hmm. That's really interesting. I want to go back to the Pope and P. Diddy for a second. <laughs> that always gets people. <laughs> well, because how do you um, apply what you're applying to two very different personalities, right? I mean, you couldn't get more, you know, diverse. No, couldn't get <laughs> much more different. Right. Um, actually, it's really great, and it's not as different as you may seem. We say we build communication champions, so it doesn't matter what field you're in or what audience you have, if you are going to influence people, you have to learn to persuade. And to persuade, you need to understand them and you need to speak their language. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how it worked. Uh, essentially, it was like the first time I worked with, with um, Krista, she was on my Pope's team and we created a digital street team of 60 millennials all over the United States to create the social media uh, social media around the Pope's visit to the United States a few years ago. And mm-hmm. we created the Pope emojis. And, and the whole idea was to get people to listen to and, and become engaged with, with the Pope and the issues that he felt were important, whether it be um, immigrants or whether it was refugees or or poverty whatever it was to get them to listen better so we started by listening we listened Mm -hmm. online with a deep listening um, system and we identified 60 young people who cared not about the church or the pope in particular but cared about social justice issues and and changing and and creating a better world and Mm -hmm. we figured these people would be casual um, fans of the Pope because of, of who he is and, and what he stood for. Mm. And we reached out to them and said, come on board. And, and, and we created um, a digital street team that 
um, produced and analyzed 4 million social media posts a day for 10 days while Pope Francis was in the United States. Wow. So you became, they became ambassadors to the Pope, essentially. Yes. Which, which made him current. And so essentially what you're doing is you're, is you're finding ways to make people current, stay current. Yes. And with P. Diddy, um, Sean brought me on board when he was launching his music network because he had done so many remarkable things and was obviously a global brand as well. Mm -hmm. But this was a brand new venture for him. And so he was creating not just a company, but an entire network. And it was the first of its kind. And so he wanted guidance in and thinking of new ideas and ways to, to connect with people. Mm. I mean, a good example, I guess, just to use me as an example, is I, I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. Those are like the two platforms that I pretty much spend my time on. And people, I hear people all the time talking about Instagram. And I tried Instagram and I was like, I just don't get it. I, I just don't, like, it's just a bunch of people posting pictures of themselves. Like, why would I want to, like, I don't understand it, right? So you're saying that essentially in order to understand why it's working it, you've got to get into the minds of the Gen Zs to find out why is it that it's hot? Why is it trending? Why, what is it about it that, that they love about that platform particularly? Yes, if you think about 40% um, of the world's population, let's just say 40% of the world's population in the next mm -hmm. two years being Gen Z. If, it's a scary if, thought, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it is in many ways. But if you right. think about that, if if brands don't know and understand them, much less how to engage them and, and commit to engaging to them, then they're losing a whole generation of, of customers and of leaders and of employees, etc. Et in mm. the US alone, Gen Z spends $44 billion a year billion whoa 44. And they, 44 billion now this will really blow your mind they influence 600 billion dollars a year now you're probably thinking how mm -hmm. well when i grew up um literally our parents said do this don't do this you never even questioned them it was it was a matter of it wasn't a choice they ran the household but now young people um, they have, have taken over in many ways. You don't buy a car unless you can fit all your kids and the soccer gear in it. Mm -hmm. You don't buy technology without getting the input of the kids because they're the ones who know how to use it. You don't buy food in the house that they won't eat. And if they're environmentalists and they want to recycle, all of a sudden you start thinking about recycling. Mm -hmm. I know our daughter um, started a, an NGO in Africa for orphaned and vulnerable children in education reform right out of the University of St. Andrews. And I don't believe my husband and I would ever have uh, focused our attentions the way we have on Africa and on Tanzania if it wasn't for her. We go where our kids go. Mm, so the kids are essentially influencing the, the adults. They are. Right. Hmm. Krista, how do you influence your family and your household? Oh, my sister and I uh, still influence, you know, not just my immediate parents, but, you know, trips with my cousins, my grandparents, different things like that. 
Um, you know, they won't, like Kathleen said, they won't purchase anything if um, my sister and I won't use it. When, you know, big holidays come around, they won't buy food or make food unless that they know that we're going to eat it um, or we're going to be able to use it. If not, it's just going to sit there and it becomes a waste of money. Mm. Um, so I, you know, even to this day, I remember when my parents were looking for a new car, you know, they wanted something that would still hold all four of us. And, you know, we could take long drives back to go see um, our family and things like that. So, you know, it's it's become a majority of what, you know, they plan everything that they do around us and around our um, our lifestyle. So we become such a big influence um, and they're spending power as well, which is huge power, right? huge power. The tables Not have turned, home, but in the marketplace, right? Because it used to be that the adult decided what was going to happen right back in mm -hmm. the day. That's how it worked. And and the generation that the, the the next generation just followed whatever the previous generation was doing. But now, I guess because of the internet, because of social media, the power is you no know, now in their hands, in the younger generation's hands. They're the ones deciding. They're the ones making the decisions. Uh, and in fact, they're the ones that have more influence because they're more well versed with technology and what's coming out. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Think about the technology, Krista. You know, let, let's talk a little bit about our what's hot, what's not panel, and, and how we connect these kids from all over the world. And the technology is a major connection. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that separates uh, Gen Z from millennials is that you know they question why they question you know the the purpose of something, and so that goes back along with you know their parents' spending power, and it's because um, they've had this technology at their fingertips since for as long as they can remember that they've learned to question why. You know, if they don't know something, they'll Google it or they'll look on YouTube for how-to videos. So because technology has been so apparent and um, easily accessible to them, you know, they question these things why uh, because they, they want to be able to know the reason behind why they're doing something, why you know, what is the purpose of this that, you know, not necessarily millennials have previously uh, questioned in, in beforehand. Mm -hmm. And they even learn in a different way now. So anybody that's trying to break through to them needs to understand they can't just talk to them like um, it used to be, you know, in school where you stand up and you lecture someone or your parents just say do it and, and it's done. Mm. Um, they're very interactive um, and and inclusive and they expect everybody to be that way so it's it don't just tell me this I, I had one of our Gen Z team members say my friend learned to play the ukulele on YouTube and now she's great at it um, mm -hmm. or you know they don't they don't even appreciate um, traditional forms of learning they don't think the only way that they can learn is by going to a university or mm -hmm. going to school, they look for all these alternative sources of, of engaging them and their curiosity, and it takes them in many different directions. How do they take to marketing and advertising? So for example, when you get a Facebook ad thrown in your face or an Instagram ad pops up or YouTube ad and you've got to skip, uh, are they basically you know, hitting the skip button, like, you know, five seconds, like, come on, come on, hurry up already, right? Because if that's the case, then there's a lot of companies out there that are in really big trouble because they're throwing billions of dollars into advertising when, like you said, 40% of the generation are going to be 
immune, essentially, to advertising and being marketed to because it's interrupting me. I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want this. I didn't ask for this, right? <laughs> and and that's a huge, that's huge because then, then the question is, well, how do you, how do you sell? Because that's all we know, right? Oh, businesses, all we know is how to is how to advertise and market and spend money on Facebook ads and Instagram ads and YouTube ads and Google ads. And what do we do? Two weeks ago, Adobe brought um, me and three of our Gen Z, what's hot, what's not panelists into their global marketing leadership meeting to to teach Adobe about the ins and outs of Gen Z. And they see Gen Z as the next makers, the next innovators, the next creators, which obviously is important to the lifeblood of, of their business. And I remember um, one young man, Noah, who is 16 from Indiana. He is a, a tall drink of water, a, a thin, tall, young African-American man. And, and he looked at the audience and they asked him about the advertising and he said, you're making big mistakes here. He said, marketers and advertisers are, are advertising to us saying, you need us. Mm. He said, we don't need you. You need us more than we need you. If you're going to build a loyal, engage in loyalty from our generation, you're going to need to um, get us to believe that you want us. It's a very different approach. And also, too, with that is that they don't, um, they don't like fake, you know, flashy or anything. The one thing that Gen Z, one of the things that Gen Z strives on is authenticity. And mm -hmm. they want brands and they want marketers and advertisements and, and products to be authentic and to be real. So, you know, this generation will follow along in the news about what a company is saying, what a company is doing, what, you know, the high executives of a company um, thinks about certain politics because they feel that uh, brands and services being almost neutral to things that are going on is out. You know, they want mm -hmm. brands and services and products that are authentic, that are real, you know, that they can fully stand behind and they want, you know, to see where where a company is um, Sorry. <laughs> so essentially, um, what you're saying here is as well, is that um, faceless brands will, will die because yeah. you know people are not going to be buying uh, products just for the sake of you know just because oh you know it's a cheaper product. They they want more than that. They want to know the the mission behind the product or the brand. They want to know who it is behind the brand, which is why I guess Steve Jobs was so good at what he did because he put himself forward and it wasn't Apple, wasn't really the brand. Steve Jobs was the brand. Um, mm -hmm. One of the really insightful questions that Adobe asked was, what brands do you trust? Hmm. And and uh, Lydia, Lydia Larimar, who is a freshman in, in college, she said, I don't trust any brands. She said, Apple is a brand that I can't live without. It's, and she listed, I think, six or seven different Apple products that she had 
in her knapsack there with her. Wow. She said, it is a part of my life. I can't do without it. And when, you know, moving my music without Apple, you know, it would, it would be terrible. She said, but I don't trust Apple. I trust their products to work and be easy and accessible for me, but I don't trust the brand itself. So getting a brand, getting Gen Z to trust a brand is a much bigger challenge than most would imagine. And they, going back to what Krista said about research, they'll research right down to the CEO to see, is it a campaign trying to make them look good? Or do they really care about this cause that matters to me? And they say they will buy or they will shun a product or a service because of, of the causes that, they, that the brand stands for or doesn't stand for. So essentially a brand can live or die by what the opinions are of the Gen Z's, which is quite a scary uh, oh, Yeah. And even the price doesn't, you know, we had asked our What's Hot, What's Not panel uh, last week if price played a factor into whether or not they would buy certain products or services um, based on like the standpoints and different things like that. And they said that they would rather um, save up money for you know, a product and buy something that they believe in as opposed to a cheaper product or company that they didn't necessarily agree with or didn't agree with the standpoint that their brand or product was doing. Um, so, you know, price, you know, they work hard for their money and, and with all the different um, jobs that they do and, and companies or their own, uh, their own companies that they start off, they want to make sure that their money that they are spending, their hard-earned money that they are spending is going to a brand or a product that they stand for themselves. In other words, they're purpose. a very frugal generation. Mm. They um, they saw what happened with millennials who um, were saddled with enormous debt from going to universities and and having to go home and live with their parents and be in debt ed jobs. And they said, "We don't want that." This generation was What's born the age into bracket? a recession. They were born into a recession a post 9-11 world, a very different world. And they they understand that and they want to make hmm. a better world for themselves and those that come after them. And they're they're going to do it. What's the what's the age bracket with millennials? Millennials that the actually Krista has just moved into that category um, at 23. Okay. to maybe 38 years old is millennial. So I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. You're it. <laughs> I'm it. I'm it. But, so you're, but you're saying that millennials, millennials are not really the key influencers. No. And, and, but brands still think they are. In fact, brands think everybody that's younger than them is a millennial for that matter. Mm. So th there, there are people who are calling Gen Z millennials because they don't know there is a Gen Z. And the truth is that they're very, very different. Um, brands are still trying to figure out millennials because they're the first generation that is uh, more individualistic than in the past, so they're harder to, to put their arms around and to figure them out and how to get to them and, and woo them you know, to their products and services. And what they don't understand is that Gen Z is even more so. They are individualistic. They do not, they, they aren't swayed just by a prestige brand. Um, they 
they are they they are individualistic in the way they approach things but they will act collectively so they once they say all right this is what i care about they'll find other people who care about the same thing and they'll act collectively and that's where they gain even more power and so um internet um chat rooms um all kinds of of digital access they've become immune to just in the past if you were on twitter you were different when i launched shack on twitter i called the new york times nba beat writer and said this is the real shack on twitter and he said what's twitter and that was <laughs> 2007 and wow. and so you know what just being on social media doesn't make a brand relevant they they have to push the standards of creativity and 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 interest much much further to get any kind of attention from gen z mm, that's really interesting so give me give me an example i guess of a brand that did it right um and and a brand that that didn't and, and give me the reasons why krista krista yeah okay so one of our noah again when he was at the um adobe marketing conference had mentioned how he put he loves adidas but when the um colin kaepernick advertisement came out he mm. put away his adidas clothing and shoes and everything he had and wore nike for two weeks and he even said that he likes adidas more than nike right. but he was you know, he agreed with more what Nike was doing, and he appreciated the the political standpoint that Nike was doing. So he wore, you know, Nike for two weeks without even touching his Adidas clothing. And so mm. that was a brand that that a lot of Gen Z, you know, appreciated, whether they agreed with it or not. But they appreciated the standpoint, you know, that they that they were able to amplify, you know, what they believed in, and something that um, they felt that other people would relate to. So that was a big you know, influence in Noah's life and, and what he did. Wow. Pepsi and Jenner's, you know, there was a Pepsi ad. Um, I think it was Kylie Jenner um, who was, she was an influencer for, for Pepsi and was in a commercial. And, and I, I don't remember the specifics of it. I remember that it really turned Gen Z off because they mm. thought it was totally inauthentic what, she was mm. saying and i don't remember the commercial oh i wish i did right now but um it's it's well, they they can google know. just google pepsi you know yeah commercial they have um, they have a really really strong bs filter <laughs> this, this generation they can cut through all the crap and they they can tell what's authentic and what is not and they'll mm. keep searching until they're confident that they know this is authentic or this is not and then they'll act on it hmm. even it's the levi yeah. uh, brand about the voting you know they that was a commercial that um our the u.s in the u.s that um our panel was mentioning because it wasn't this commercial wasn't solely focused on their clothing or they weren't trying to push their their product um forcefully into this commercial but it was um a commercial about voting and you wouldn't have known it was about voting and you know levi promoting people going out to the to the voting polls until the very end that you know when you saw the levi brand come up 
And it was, you know, they Gen Z appreciated that because it was something that, you know, they weren't taking a stance on on um, what they believed in, but they were saying this is something that's important and you should go out and vote whether um, differences that are there, you sh- this is something that's very impactful, but then they promoted their brand at the very end. And it was authentic, it was real, and it was something that Gen Z appreciated. So the, the commercial, for those who hadn't seen it, um, the really a public service announcement, but commercial, was people walking in voting in different places. And Levi was not saying vote Democrat or vote Republican, mm. vote Trump or vote, you know, everybody else. They were saying it's important for you to stand up and take a stand. Mm. They took a and message, And so right. Gen Z appreciated them taking that risk and creating this beautiful commercial that happened to have people walking in to vote wearing a pair of Levi jeans. <laughs> yeah, very, very, uh, you know, by the way, you know, they happen yeah. to be wearing Levi jeans, right? <laughs> it's, it's amazing because in the past, you just get someone like, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant or, or uh, Michael Jordan to wear, you know, a pair of sneakers and suddenly like they'd go off the shelves because, hey, if he's wearing the, the sneakers, then that's it. You know, that's how. And you're saying that that's not going to work anymore because the BS filter goes off and says, OK, yeah, thank you very much. Just because, you know, so and so wears this item or buys this product, that doesn't mean anything. We could see past that. We could see through that. You paid them a good amount of money. They're making good money. We're not falling for that. Right. Give me right. the real thing. Give me the real thing. What do you really stand for? What is the story? What is your mission? What is your purpose? And ultimately, it comes down to purpose over price. It doesn't matter what your price is. We're going to go for purpose. And and yeah. that's that's key. And that goes to inclusivity as well. They are very, you know, they don't care if someone's transgender or someone's gay or someone's, they don't care. They don't look at the color of the skin or the gender that someone identifies as. And as a result, they expect brands not to do it either. They Mm. expect that this is a different world, a different day and age, and we all belong here. And you need to recognize that, you know, brand X or brand Y Mm -hmm. and, um, and endorse it if you want our endorsement. Mm. And they love diversity. If, you know, they see a brand or a certain product, even a commercial and an advertisement, if there's no diversity, you know, again, it turns them away because this is such a diverse generation that if brands and, and products and services don't um, promote that or don't, you know, embrace the diversity that this generation thrives on, then it, it turns them away. And again, then that's a factor on whether or not they um, will continue or have a loyalty to a, a brand or a product hmm. so for those listening you know gen z millennials it all might sound a little bit foreign to you um and you may think you know yeah ignorance is bliss but i would just warn you that you know you can avoid it at your own peril because you know like kathleen said earlier by 2020 you know 40 percent of the population is going to be this this generation gen z's uh and that, that's huge that's a huge amount of influence that if you ignore that um you're going to end up essentially um being one of the the brands that just will disappear that will be a, a figment of the you know a memory a memory that we remember that brand because they didn't keep up 
similar to Blockbuster and Netflix. You know, Blockbuster, their ego got too big. They thought they were, they, they thought no one's going to mess with us. We're too big. No one's going to, I mean, how many stores they think about? It? They were global everywhere. Everywhere you went was a Blockbuster. And I used to love walking into Blockbusters. You know, it was nice. You walk in, you, you know, you do it in your pajamas, of course, and your slippers, right? It was wonderful, right? The popcorn. No one thought they were going anywhere. And this little, little tiny company, Netflix, comes along and completely wipes the floor with them. And now Blockbuster is just a memory. You don't want to be that. Kathleen, how do uh, my listeners and Krista, how do they get in touch with you to find out more about this? Thanks for asking. WeAreGenZ.com is our website. And it's we, the letter R, GenZ.com. We are on social media everywhere as well. And um, and on on Twitter in particular, I, I'm a, a Twitter aficionado. And <laughs> after all these years, you can find me at Kathleen Hessert on Twitter and on Instagram. And we are Gen Z as well. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Krista Destiny, K-R-I-S-T-A-D-E-S-T-I-N-E-E. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kathleen and Krista. I'm so glad you came on. This has been fascinating. Um, thank you to my fellow listeners. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've Bye. been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.